Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today is my co-host, Nick Costco. Welcome, Nick. Hey, it's a pleasure to wrap up, uh, to join you to wrap up the Case for IBC seven-part series. Um, if you've just joining us now for the first time, you don't have this book, go to uh, infinitebanking.org, go to the store, get yourself a copy of Nelson's last published work, The Case for IBC, which is just seven short little uh, examples of talking about IBC and how it can uh, apply to your life. And we're going to do chapter seven, putting IBC into action, which is what we actually really love because so many people out there on the internet get this wrong. Uh, unfortunately, it's, this is taught, it's, it's taught as, a, as an investment. I would say that so many people think we're still talking about an investment, but your behavior and putting it to action is really where the magic is. Absolutely. All right, let's jump in. All right, so the, let's just start here is the point of IBC isn't to put your money in life insurance. Instead, it's to hold your liquid funds in a very convenient vehicle before you deploy it to achieve your specific goals. There you go. Okay. That's one of the best definitions of infinite banking that I've seen. So if you're watching internet videos on YouTube and you see people just talking about the policy, about the policy, about the policy, that shows you that they really don't understand infinite banking. Because they're missing the point. You know what? They don't do it themselves. That's right. Because if they did, then they would know <laughs> that that's not the point. Okay. All right. So I don't want to disagree with the authors, especially the one that has already graduated since he's a hero of mine. But, but I, I can tell you that he didn't write this chapter. Um, and so it... You know, he, they, they, they start the chapter by saying, IBC sounds great if I weren't so strapped right now. Well, you know, I, I'm a business owner. You're a business owner. I don't hear from business owners, hey, I'm so strapped. So I don't hear that. But they, they, they use this as, hey, even if you are strapped, is there something that you're paying for that, um, that, that, that you could, you, you could, reroute that money that you're paying every month or every year through the insurance contract and um and and benefit by using the insurance contract yeah right? it, it's chapter one the business owner cycle it's not that they're right. cash strapped there's a rhythm to your business you have ebbs and flows throughout the year hey if you if you had this line of credit basically set up in-house hey what what how would that help solve your problems and then what things could you go take over financing because remember at the end of the day we're solving one problem right jim is that we finance everything we buy so Absolutely. what is the, what is the things that the business owner is financing spending money on uh you know day to day absolutely and you know so one of the things that there there are expenses that every business has regardless of how much money you have at the end of the year right but so is there a way to reroute those expenses through the insurance contract? 
And so let's look at doing that. Okay. Um, and, and one of the things that's important is, is let's just say that there is, um, um, we're going to, they're going to use taxes as the example. Okay. But, but here's where we kind of differ from the point of Nelson's original writings and this chapter. And we talk about cash drag in the beginning. Okay. The, the weaker IBC practitioner or the novice IBC practitioner or people that um, don't use infinite banking on a daily basis that may write books, they don't understand that the cash drag is necessary in the beginning to qualify as life insurance, as we talked about last uh, um, episode. But it's kind of like this. If you were going to run a race, do you want to start first or finish first, Nick? I love finishing first. Exactly. And do they publish in a, in a marathon, like in an Olympic marathon, <laughs> do they publish who got out of the, who started first after one mile, who was ahead? No, nobody. Does anybody care? No. Ask a PGA golfer. Does he, does he like being leader after day one or would you rather be the leader after day four? Absolutely. Because guess what? The guy that's the leader after day four, what do they call him? The winner. The winner of the race, right? Okay. So um, that drag is the owner's contribution or capitalization in their banking business. And we, the drag is necessary to have an efficient enough policy down the road. That's right. It's, it, it is when, when you're, when you're advocating that you don't have that, you're ignoring uh, a fundamental uh, component to this and that we need to focus on the volume, not the rate. Because if I were to show you the volume of interest coming to you 10 years down the road, I can tell you that you'd rather deal with that cash drag up front. Absolutely. So let's go through their example. And, and again, I'm sorry, guys, if you're listening, the authors here, but somebody saying, Hey, I can only really commit $20,000 and they're making a million dollars. Then they don't understand, or they haven't, they, they, they haven't overcome um, the human problems from becoming your own banker. And uh, they definitely haven't uh, uh, overcome Parkinson's law. Right. That's right. I mean, they got a problem. That's what I'm trying to say. So I, I, I don't think this is a real life example. I've never had anybody making a million bucks tell me they can put $20,000 into something. Right. So again, that's us doing this every day and them looking at it from an academic standpoint. Okay, so, so what they say is, well, he has $100,000 in tax payments he must make. Now, by the way, okay, so if you're making a million bucks, tell me where... <laughs> And that you're netting a million dollars. Tell me where I can pay a hundred thousand dollars in tax, and I'm I'm signing up, okay? <laughs> but so now they he says, well, I'm paying him a hundred thousand dollars in tax. I could put twenty thousand dollars extra in. So they show this example of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for ten years, and then dropping it to twenty thousand dollars. So let's understand. And they're putting a thirty-year term rider on there. Okay, now some of the companies have term writers that are uh, as short as seven years. Why? Why seven years? Well, seven pay test. 
seven pay test. If you watch, if you listened to the last episode or watched it, then you would know. But do you think that if we have this 45 year oldness example that's going to have a 30 year term rider? Is that going to be pretty expensive down the road? Pretty expensive and terribly inefficient. Terribly inefficient. Okay. So what they do, just so you understand the 120,000, okay? You have $16,000 of base premium. You have um, $4,000 of term rider. And then you have 80, I'm sorry, then you have $100,000 of paid up additions, right? Yep. Okay. And one of the things that they're building here Okay, before I go on with that, let me stop there. That's not how we would ever design a policy. I'm already so distracted by the fact that I can only put 16000 into this yeah. as a million-dollar earner later in life. I'm so distracted, and I'm already aggravated about it. Yeah, because I'm going to show you, and I'm going to draw something out here, Nick, in a minute, and share the screen. And I'm going to show you where this just really wasn't the way to do this. Okay, and why? I'm going to show you why. And they get into the death benefit and the term insurance and why they drop out the term insurance and all that. Okay, we're not going to get into that. Yeah, all right. You know, you know what? That works out to be 13% of the total premium is base. Right. And he, they go through this in a scarcity mindset. I'm sorry, guys. Again, this is not the way because these guys don't go out there and put this in motion every day. Right. What they're trying to point out is if you have this money loaned out, then you have this. Um, then you have this windfall and you're using these expenses and then you have this windfall, you can refill the, the, the hole that you, that you made with the loan, right? Yeah, we can do it. We can construct the policy properly and get that same benefit. That's right. Exactly. So, and, and they're, and they're kind of saying, so then you should have this open um, mindset to a bigger premium. And then their mind, the $120,000 is a bigger premium. Right now, I would tell you that that's not a huge premium in the business owners that are making a million dollars that we're working with. Um, uh, so I would just and, and the, if a business owner is netting a million dollars, what do you think their expenses might be, Nick? Are you netting it? it could be four, four or five million. Right, right. OK, so. You know, then they go on and they say, okay, if you did a premium of $285,000 for just 10 years, and then you RPU'd the policy, reduce pay it up, like stop paying premiums into it. So when I do that, all the money that I have flowing in from what maybe, you know, from my business, what do I do with that money now? Don't know. I guess I got to go back dealing with the commercial bank, storing my money there. I don't know what problem we just solved. No, yeah, I mean, if it works so good for ten years, why would we not continue to do it? <laughs> when we, when, when, when the guy on the internet is showing you how you're not going to put money into the policy after ten years, let me just tell you, I don't, I don't even know why we're calling it infinite banking at that point. We're, we've got an investment little thing going on, but that, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, so you know, by the way, this policy has an annual premium of one hundred seven thousand, right? And then it has 170,000 of um, an additional uh, 170,000 of a paid up addition, right? Yep. Okay. So what's that ratio? Oh, I don't know, Jim. Let's Come see. on, Nick. You got to be able to calculate these things quickly. 
Tell me the numbers again. 107 and 171. And 171. 63%. Okay. Is there a term writer on that one? Uh, no. Okay. All right. So we can agree that that's closer to how you would do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're getting somewhere. Okay. So, you know, by the way, they point out there's no one right way to implement IBC. I would agree with that, but there are some pitfalls that you want to make sure that you don't fall into and you don't want to get what, what does Nelson say? We want to think short term and in the first year is the most important. Is that what he says in his book? No, he, he goes so far as to say, think at least three generations down the road. Three generations? That's thinking long-term. <laughs> Back to your, do you want to start first or finish first? Absolutely. And, and, I, and I would say that typically when we show somebody, hey, this is what's going to happen at year 10, 15, 20, um, that's a no-brainer. But we got to remember what problem we're trying to solve and go back if, if you know, we covered this before, but pages 17 through 25 of becoming your own banker. If you're getting, if you're tripping uh, through the door, thinking about why you would do that, go back to page 17 of Nelson's book and read those next seven or eight pages. Absolutely. Okay. So I want to go back to this for a second, Nick, um, on, um, would we want there to be, you know, this, this, this um, term rider on there and all, all of that, right? And would we stop paying premium? So I'm just gonna use an example and understand everyone, this is just an example, okay? Yeah. You could say that, is, that number's not right, that's too high, that's too low, this is not, you know, whatever you might say, but just know, I'm just giving you an example and I'm telling you that I've got examples where people say these numbers are too low, okay? And I'm just going to use a round number of $100,000 because it's close to what they were talking about. So let's say the first year I put in $100,000 and I'm not going to do the term rider and all these other things. Let's say I got about, and I'm going to, and I'm going to round down. I have $60,000 available. Okay. That's a little yep. low for most ages and underwriting classes. Yep. But I'm going to take this $60,000 and I'm going to use it as my 20% down payment. Okay on some real estate, and I'm gonna get the 80% from the seller, the bank, or maybe even a combination or for somewhere else, right? So I'm yeah. gonna take this $60,000 and I'm gonna go buy real estate valued at $300,000. Okay, now let's just say that I'm gonna get 5% is what I'm gonna net on this project, okay? $15,000, which is 25% cash on cash. But Jim, that, that seems like such a high number. How in the, do you know anybody that's getting at least 25% cash I, on cash? Yeah, I know people that are getting a lot more. And <laughs> I know of a young guy in, uh, the Midwest that told me 27%. Like he said, well, that number is a little low because we we we, we uh, are 27% minimum, okay? So just again, remember, I'm trying to make the math easy for myself. I went to public school. So, you know, calculating these things really quick in my head while I'm talking to you, it's probably just not in my skill set. All right. So by the way, that means that if I went to public school in the inner city part of Los Angeles, 
and can do this, then just anybody out there listening can do this. All right. <laughs> so the next year I put in a hundred thousand. I have, let's say a hundred thousand. Okay. Now, if you're a female under 50, it's going to be a little bit more. If you're male, I'm sorry to break this to you. You're not going to live as long as the female. So it's going to be about, I don't know, 98%, something like that. But again, we're rounding numbers. Now, by the way, this 15 grand that I earned, that goes back to my bank, right, Nick? That's right. Okay, so it's sitting there, ready to be deployed again. Deployed, redeployed, deployed again, whatever it is, right? Yeah, okay. that's, that's the term I used with Jake the other day when he knows he's getting his little, little money coming back. How are we going to redeploy it? Because money in motion stays in motion and money that's not in motion dies. Okay. Hey, what's, the, what's the term we use for redeploying? Um, velocity creating, of money. Creating velocity of money. Yeah, you just didn't let me get it out there, Nick. I was, I was going there. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, okay. Remember, I got 15 grand of cash flow up here. I've got a uh, hundred thousand of uh, again comp capitalization, which I have a hundred thousand. Plus, I can use my fifteen grand again. I'm going to take this as my twenty percent down payment. Again, I'm going to do the same thing: eighty percent seller, bank, whoever, and I'm going to buy a five hundred thousand dollar property, and I'm going to get about five percent from that. I'm going to get a little bit less than my twenty five percent cash on cash. And I'm going to call that $25,000. Okay, so there, if somebody has that objection that it, uh, 25 is too, too much, okay, this is a little lower. Now, so now I have 25,000 coming from this project and 15,000 coming from this project. If I do that math right, that's $40,000 of cash flow. All right. The next year, I put in 100,000. I would probably have a little bit more, but let's just say I have a hundred thousand. Hey, just real quick, that forty and, that, that, and that, pol and that policy. What's the minimum you got to put in? The minimum that I would put in this policy is forty thousand. Yeah. So now your behavior could take care of this policy. Absolutely. And I'm going to show you why. In four years, doing something with less volume than this, because again, remember what Nelson said: it's the volume, not the rate. Right is going to be a mistake. Okay, so put in 100, I have 100, plus I can use my 40 again coming in from my first two investments, right? Again, I'm going to use that as my 20% down payment. The bank's starting to love me. And, or the seller is referring me to his friends that want to get out or sell their properties or their portfolio. And I'm going to buy a $700,000 property. Okay, 5% here. 25% cash on cash, and that is $35,000. Okay, so now I have the 40,000 coming from these two properties and 35 coming from the third property. So I have $75,000 a year coming in. Okay, I'm gonna do this one more time, Nick, and this is all gonna make sense. I put in 100,000. Again, let's just say I still only just have 100,000. And um, then I have my 75 that I can use again, creating velocity of money. So I have $175,000 to go invest. I'm going to use that in real estate. I'm going to use that as my 20% down payment. Use the seller of the bank for 80%. And I'm going to 
go buy $900,000 worth of real estate. And uh, 5% of that, and actually a little bit more than 25%, barely here is going to be $45,000 plus my 75. And voila, I have $120,000 coming back to my banking system. Nick, is 120,000 more than 100,000? Yes. So what does that mean I need to do? Your, your system's not big enough. If, I, if this was a bank, what would I do? I'd have I would open another branch. If it was yeah. a grocery store. I'd open I'd another say, grocery store. man, this grocery store is doing so well, let's open another one. That's right. And okay. that's, how, that's how business owners think. Now, if this was $80,000 of PUA, $16,000 of base, and $4,000 of term insurance, I'm stuck in that. I can't convert this term insurance. I can't get enough volume in here. Some companies aren't just going to let me keep putting that PUA in there as long as I want to. Right? But here, I know that I can pay $40,000 in, in this in year four or five, I mean, I put in 40, I'm going to have 45 or more. Okay, so I really don't need to put the $60,000 of paid up additions in there anymore. I can take 80 grand and start another policy. D does PUA ever leverage? No, but, but, but well, hold on. Let me, let me finish this. So I have 120 coming from here. How much was I used to paying every year to fund this policy? 100. 100. So that means that I have an extra 60 if I wanted to use that, right? That's right. Okay, so then I could do 180,000. Now think about how powerful this was. With $400,000... I created $120,000 of passive revenue. That's right. What do you think I could do with 180, more or less? <laughs> Get more cash flow assets. Okay, so Nick, what is the power of this? Is it the life insurance rate of return? No. Is it the leverage? It's a little bit. Yeah, that's the. I mean, it's the leverage and putting the money in motion. Yeah, it's the it's the putting the money in motion piece and and the velocity of that. And the more we do that, the more money we have going into the base, the more that I'll be able to leverage because say at year 10, you put 40 into it, you get 65 to use. Well, there's right. 25,000 in volume of interest that came to you just because you built the business. So Nick, if you write me a check for $40,000 today and I write you one for 65, how many times today do you want to do that? As many times as you'll let me. And how big do you want that first check to be? Little or big? As big as you'll let me write it. All right. So let's think about something here for a second too. Okay. All this money that I put in there and my cash value, right? Is what's my tax rate on it when I want to use that? Zero. Zero. So this side is zero. I have this real estate. Can I depreciate this real estate? I know you're not a CPA, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I, my CPA says that I do get to depreciate it. 
Right. And by the way, my cash value is growing. So there's a rate of return over here, right? In the insurance contract. That's right. And I buy real estate, so it'll grow. That's so there's right. a rate of return on the real estate. That's right. And there's a rate of cash flow because look at all this cash flow. It's, there's a ton of cash flow in there. That's right. That's the name of the game right there. Right. And remember, I don't have all this money in this real estate. I don't have 20% in this. I'm using the insurance company's money. So I'm using other people's money, right? So I have rate of return inside the insurance contract, rate of cash flow, rate of return for the real estate. And I have legacy return. Yeah. So what happens? You got all these loans out, Jim. What happens if you pass away? What happens is the insurance company comes to my house uh, via my agent with a big check and they say, hey, we paid off all your loans and here's still this massive check for you. That's right. Do you get to keep what's the right side there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So my family still has $120,000 of cash flow in this scenario and, and, and the death benefit. If you had just used cash from the from the start to build that right side, you don't get both, do you? You don't. Absolutely, you don't. Yeah, that, and you have to use your own money. That's right. It's there's a there's a fundamental difference right there if, of thinking about that top what you wrote up there, the legacy legacy return, and looking at this over the multiple generations and building having this cash flow system that goes and acquires these cash flow assets. The name of the game for a business owner is cash flow, rate of cash flow. So building all of this, getting all of all of this flowing to you is where you win. That's uncommon behavior. And uh, if you want to break away from the herd, you got to do the uncommon. Absolutely. Um, he, you know, Nick, we've gotten off base on chapter seven here, but... <laughs> I think in a good way. Yes. Right. We're, we're I think in a good way. And, and I hope that, you know, cause we just rewrote chapter seven. Now, so again, I hope none of those guys are listening to this because here's the thing. What's chapter seven called? Uh, putting IBC into action. And what did we just do? We put it into action. We built on, we built on the foundation. So the purpose of chapter seven is to wrap this book up okay so we just wrapped the book up our way which we did break away from the book a little bit <laughs> not that oh, we no, we were ones to be contained very well no no pun intended or maybe it was intended so as we wrap this up nick um that's just one example I can give you lots of examples of what clients have done, what I've done, what Nick has done, what Nick and I have done, what Nick Harper and I have done, what other people on the term, Bob Burnett and Tanner and Kelly and everybody has done at Create Tailwind. That's right. Okay. Because we're not going to tell you to do something that we haven't already done. Now there's a novel concept <laughs> is, uh, you know, hey, let me tell you how to use these insurance contracts, but I've never owned a business and I don't know how to do these things. I mean, why would anybody take advice? Okay, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. All right, let's wrap this up, Nick. I'm going to, so that I don't get long winded. Any famous last words? Hey, just go to infinitebanking.org, uh, get a copy of the case for IBC. It's an essential to have on your bookshelf. And 
Uh, also, if you want to uh, dive more into this, you want to have your own personal coaching session, go to createtailwind.com. Click on contact us. We'd be happy to reach out to you, schedule, schedule that free coaching session. Uh, my last ask is uh, uh, after you listen to this, we'd appreciate if you'd uh, rate and review us. Uh, you know, one to five stars. I really only, frankly, uh, think the, the five-star vote is the only appropriate one, uh, only appropriate amount of stars for us uh, for the value that we deliver. We're here to serve you. And like Nick said, that's a way you can find us. And uh, until next time, you have to break away from the herd. The herd is only headed in one direction and it is the wrong direction. As Nelson would say, the majority has never been right about anything. So think about that right now. And um, until next time, I'm your host, Jim Oliver. Nick, thank you for sharing and participating and co-hosting. Until next time, break away. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.